0: The second time our contest has happened. Yeah, pretty cool. People guessing the expedition mileage, and I posted everything everywhere, Mm -hmm. all the the photos of the car. We're getting a lot of
1: guesses on this too, which is really cool. Thank you guys for engaging so much. You really, really wrote in a ton. It's great. Yeah,
0: pretty cool. Our winner is Jonathan D, who is two miles off the actual mileage of 112,966. He guessed 112,964.
1: That's pretty great. Congratulations.
0: Well Well guessed. Good news, you're going to be getting a master car care kit from Griot's Garage. So yep. they are providing that. Should be pretty cool. You know, of course, you've got to get embedded and, you know, on the road towards, you know, certified Paul ownership. Seriously. We'll be, going we'll to be, set
1: you on that path. We'll be reaching out to you, Jonathan, and we'll be figuring all that out so we can get that to you. That's, that's really cool. The, uh, the, Last winter, Alex is getting a sunshade from Covercraft. That's what he wanted, so that's on its way. I actually talked to Covercraft this week, so they're sending that out. So that's very cool. So thank you to both of you for submitting, and all of you for submitting on both yeah, of you. We're really congratulations to both winners. We're hoping to continue to do these things as we continue to make TV. That'll keep happening.
0: Yeah, and speaking of TV, we what are we two episodes away? This is uh, from limits. season
1: two ending. This is Lemons this weekend.
0: Yeah. 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 So we're two away. So that is TV season two. And again, thanks to our TV sponsors, Covercraft, Griot's Garage, and Auto Tempest. Mm -hmm. If you use the code every day, Covercraft will give you free shipping in the U.S. Greer's Garage will give you 10% off your order. So yeah, go ahead and uh, check out our sponsors. For sure. And uh, yeah, two more episodes away and we are already shooting For season three. Well, we
1: better. We better, because season three starts third quarter. And if you're paying attention to what a calendar looks like, because this frightened me this week, (laughs) that's the beginning of July. (laughs) So we better get on it, by the way. But we actually have some stuff in the can already. I'm already editing because I'm going to try to get ahead of it a little bit this time, even though I'm sure I'll fall behind. But this is just the reality of getting it done. Then, of course, we have the YouTube conundrum on top of that. Yeah. You and I are still talking about that. But in the light of all the changes of YouTube, We've also seen the two episodes of TV we released on YouTube have gotten kind of a shockingly low viewership.
0: Yeah, which agree. makes us
1: start to ask lots of questions. I mean, at, at bare minimum, the YouTube channel will continue to be fast blast. We've got a lot of ones already in the can. We've got other ones we want to do.
0: Yeah, but for sure. when you
1: see our TV episode come to YouTube and not do very well, we start to ask ourselves, is it worth putting on there? I mean, this is and honestly, I am asking this question live with Paul because we are in the midst of talking about it. Yeah, I am nodding so, over here. Yes, yeah, and we and I have been saying it; it is true. We are putting season one and season two on Amazon Prime. Right. Uh, season one will actually be free prime and then season two will be on demand. But they're both coming. There's just so much changing right now. I feel like in the YouTube world, people are positioning themselves differently. YouTube's positioning differently. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I keep beating on this drum and using the Napster and iTunes switcheroo whenever it was. You know, everybody was a bit torrenting music mm-hmm. and stealing music, essentially, whenever it was. How many, many years ago now. And I still have all those MP3s, but I don't listen to them. Why do I pay for a streaming music subscription? I'm willing to do that, yet I have somewhere these CDs loaded up. <laughs> because you MP- don't know where MP3s. they are. <laughs> there's part I of your problem. I just don't care anymore. So <laughs> it was almost irrelevant that I downloaded all this stuff. And Interesting. Yeah, you, you don't know that, but I guess everybody knows that now. Yeah, that, that, you haven't hidden that. If you were trying but to hide that, that that's, is, that's out. That's out there. The big point I'm trying to make is people are willing to pay for good content. Hopefully, yeah, and good content and good anything costs money. You get what you for pay sure. for. for, and sure. that's what I keep coming back to. What we're seeing with Motor Trend and their announcement, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. about every other content provider is not looking at YouTube as the main place anymore. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, yeah, we're still looking at it very much for a fast blast and and mm-hmm. cars that. We don't know what category or comparison to put it with, yeah. but man, do we want to drive that car and give our yeah. opinions about it. We
1: have a chance to be in a car as a one-off, and there isn't a reason for a comparison. There's not one we can set up. That's got right. We want to shoot it. We want to share it. So that certainly will be the – YouTube's perfect for that, but the TV stuff is very much in discussion because of, of how it's out there and being received. It's very interesting. Thank you to all of you that are watching it on Vimeo. Many of you have continued to write us intrigued about wanting to know when it's going to drop on Amazon, and I am telling you, it is happening behind the scenes as we speak. Yeah, There's a lot of uh, details and uploads and elements that have to happen to get on Amazon. So we're working our way through all of that. Of course, that's new ground for us. So it's taking a little bit more time than it will going forward. But that is happening. And, you know, we are going to shoot season three. We were having a conversation today with other distribution outlets. So it's a very interesting time for us. Not a lot of which we can share yet, but still very cool.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, we've got great car debates. But before we get to the two debates for okay. this podcast, yeah. we got an interesting email from oh, Tony yeah, C did. out yeah. in Jacksonville, Florida, with the subject line saying, be careful what you ask for with the wife. And this was intriguing for both Todd <laughs> yeah. and I. And we opened the email and said, we have to start the podcast with this. Well, and
1: I, I read it, I, I saw that subject line and I thought, which direction is
0: this going? <laughs> this could be worrisome. You know, or, yeah. yeah. So really quickly, Tony, thank you for writing in. He's a big fan of the show. He's been listening for a long time. And he says, I wanted to share my love of cars with my wife and kids. (laughs) She didn't like his FRS after he had to have the engine rebuilt under warranty because she felt it wasn't safe anymore. Didn't like the power of the Chevy SS when he traded the FRS for this family car because it was going to kill him. (laughs) Apparently because of the power. (laughs) And he says, I can understand from a non-car person where she might be coming from. So he did get rid of the FRS to make her happy. But then there's this problem. A couple of problems, actually, that he describes. And and they're kind of good
1: problems, but it is
0: funny nonetheless.
1: Yes. So he gets rid of the FRS because he thinks, all right, I've got the better family car in the SS, even though his
0: wife's a little scared of it now. Plus, he's driving 5 to 10 over the posted speed limit everywhere he goes. Do you notice that? That's not bad. That's just (laughs) Driving
1: that's it. <laughs> that's you, my question. You do say your worst trait is that you do that. I'm thinking if <laughs>
0: that's your worst driving trait, you get a free pass. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, his wife's history of motoring, and now she's listening, of course. So uh, tiptoeing carefully, her history of motoring is non-sporty cars. Yes. And uh, she also loves to multitask while driving, and he's getting on there. So I will say as a public service announcement, don't do it for you Pay attention for everybody else, the people in your car and the people around you. Yeah, Do it yeah. for everyone else. That's just an encouragement. No, nothing, honestly, nothing freaks me out
1: more than to, and unfortunately, I wish it was uncommon, but you're driving behind somebody and they're not doing a very good job, and then you you go around them and you realize it's because they've got their phone either in their lap or sitting on the steering wheel.
0: Now the people are blatant. They're holding it up by the rearview mirror and they're just looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. I just want to get away from them. Agreed. So moving on to the second topic here is she has this is discovered where the twist happens for sure. Driving his car how fun it is to drive mm-hmm. and how fast she notices herself going. Well, he he went out of town and she called
1: and said, "Honey, can I borrow your car?" And he went, <laughs> "Sure, drive the SS, try it out." Except she fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> now it's not like one day a week. It's like you uh honey, you need to take the other car because I'm taking your SS. That's what's actually happening now. Wow. Wow, so, Tony's uh, almost out of a car. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she she is uh, having fun discovering it, which is great. Uh, Tony, you might be um, in the market for a new car soon, and writing back to us with your own debate. But uh, he says, you know, from a speed standpoint, what I'm I'm taking from this email is mm-hmm. is to say, you know, help her understand she's not ready for this kind of power or ready for this kind of speed. Is, is that what you're saying, Tony? Well, he's, he's saying he, he wants to make sure she, she is up to the task.
1: Right. And so I'm going to say this to you, Tony, right. and I'm going to say it to your wife as well, who's probably listening. Hello. Don't hate us yet. Hang on. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. I think you guys need to go autocross this car. Heck, yeah. That's a great I idea. I think that's the thing you need to do. Because I know we're living in a world where horsepower is amazing and cheap. I get that. But the problem with it is you wind up in a lot of scenarios where there is much more power than you even realize And that is the thing where you look down and you go, how am I going that fast? And it can get away from you. But what you need to do is start to kind of learn how does this car actually operate at the edges. And autocross is perfect for that because when you spin your way through a couple of cones, that was the edge at 30 miles an hour. Now, look, an SS is not going to be a great autocross car. It's a big car, but it's still going to be fun. You're going to be able to chuck it around, and you're going to be able to screw it up in a place that doesn't matter. Have a family outing for autocrossing.
0: You and your wife and the girls.
1: I don't know that they're going to be riding along, but you and the wife and the girls, let's, let's just all go. Let's just take the kids and enjoy that. I think it could be actually really cool. But I think that's the that's the step here, Tony, is if you're concerned about your wife driving this car, but she's loving driving this car, I know it might seem weird. I'm not actually going to say to you the answer is slow down. I'm going to say the answer is know the car better.
0: Yes, and I like that autocrossing is starting with relatively low speeds to For do sure. that. For that sure. is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But I do see this leading towards bigger and better things, and by that I mean uh, – you're going to a driving event that is maybe a particular manufacturer. <clears throat> trying not to say Porsche. I really am. <laughs> No, you're not. You've said it. <laughs> Dang it. I couldn't do it. But you know what I mean. The point is to mm-hmm. go to a driving school or a driving event where suddenly you're talking about car control with professional drivers and understanding what the car does at that high speed mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, the SS is easy to put your foot in it. Oh, a very, very and very, you're you're gone. You are that is a, a fast it's incredibly car. Incredibly
1: fun. Yes, yeah, very fun.
0: But then knowing what to do with that and car control and then start to think about tires. And, you know, you're in Florida, so you don't need winter tires. But, you know, starting to think about the contact patch and all those things. We'll get there is the point. But yeah. start somewhere. And then as she starts to discover fun cars and fun driving, maybe that leads to, like I said, a manufacturer event. And you're trying maybe. some stuff out. Maybe. And- later on i'm i'm saying start small but the but the importance of
1: a paying attention and b understanding when it goes wrong what does it feel like because this is this is the problem with horsepower i mean tony you're asking the question of is she ready i'm going to say this to you tony are you ready because the reality is when these cars are this powerful the problem isn't hey, I can go 80. The problem is when it goes wrong at 80. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And so the more you understand, understand the dynamics of the car and what to do when a situation goes awry, that's the stuff you have to learn. You could do it at low speed at autocross Maybe you can go to an actual, like, uh, driving event, uh, like a, an actual instruction event. The, the one that we did was part of the Ford uh, Performance School. But they even had, right. I forget what it was called, but they had, like, a one-day car control clinic that wasn't even, like, about Ford, even though it used Ford vehicles. And they did the skid car and stuff that you could go to. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You're right. It's
0: more of a clinic rather than yeah. a track day. So it's like a half-day
1: clinic that just shows you car control because it puts you in the skid car, which is crazy fun. And and the, the, the most hysterical thing about the skid car is you're going to screw it up, which is wonderful.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I
1: mean, that's a really fun thing. Well, they're going to
0: force you to screw it up. Yeah, they're going so th- But this is that. the
1: thing. I, I'm going to go on a little rant for a second. I wish car control clinics like this were required for driver's licenses.
0: I agree. I was just going to say the same thing. And when my like son that. is old enough, we will go. You can learn very easily the traffic flow and the signage and how to read and how to use your turn signal and all that stuff that is a check the box item from a driver's ed instructor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That stuff is almost, in my mind, almost unnecessary. Not completely, but it's very secondary or tertiary Mm -hmm. to understanding car control first and foremost. Then, by the way, this is what green means. This is what red means. You use your turn signal. You know, well, I'll, I'll, turning I'll, right on right, – all those I'll turn it another little way. things I'll, don't matter as much. Well,
1: but I'll turn it another way. I'll, I'll, I'll use a sports analogy. That's right. I don't normally use sports analogies, but This here is going to be weird.
0: It or maybe good.
1: Weird. It is very weird. But it would be – learning to drive, I think for most people, r- jumping off of your statement, is kind of like knowing all of the minutiae rules to basketball. You just know You know all the rules. You, could, you can recite them. You sure. watch somebody else play basketball. Sure. You know exactly what they did wrong, how that point matters. That was a foul, and here's why you know all of that great, can you play basketball? Hmm. Hmm. Are you good at it? Because you can walk onto a court with all of that knowledge and be terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. You have all of the knowledge and understanding. This is the problem with the way we learn to drive in this country, because we learn all of the rules, and it's put on the back of, essentially, if you want to think about it, a beginning basketball player who happens to know all the rules. Congratulations. But you're getting schooled every time you turn around. Mm -hmm. What if it's the reverse? The best thing in the world is you find some kid. I'm off making a movie now. You find
0: some kid (laughs) who has natural skill at it but doesn't know any of the minutiae. But he's great at it. Agreed. That's a great analogy because that can be taught. The rules, football, apply that to any sport.
1: Totally. Totally. And so this is the thing. our, Our normal driving training doesn't allow us the opportunity to, to really learn how to do the sport, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we learn all the rules, and because we know the rules and we understand the basics of car control, I got this. Hmm. And the other thing, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago with, uh, I forget who it was that wrote in talking about his friend's wife who, who, who scares him behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's that thing of we everybody, everybody listening, you think you're a great driver. Who, who admits that I'm a bad driver? Very few people. It's only when you put yourself in pro- – and this is back to the sport thing. You can think you're great at basketball or whatever until you get with somebody who's a professional and you go, I'm not very good at this. Hmm. It's all about that pers- you got to be schooled by somebody before you realize I have a lot to learn and that doesn't happen in most driving situations because we're in our little cages and nobody has any ability to say you know what are you going to do you're going to make a bad gesture at the person next to you to try to tell them that they're a bad driver but they think you're just rude right there's no way to learn it until you screw it up but please don't screw it up by trying something on the freeway let's
0: do it somewhere where we can and that knowledge is so important but also the bad driving is driven by choices yeah, the choice to look at your phone while you're doing something and the honestly, I think everybody is so bored because many cars are so easy to drive, and everybody's bored at hanging out at whatever speed and yeah i I think that's part of the problem so what we need to do is raise the speed limits to double what they are now. <laughs> Nobody would be bored anymore. well, I will say this I eliminate will say the this. traffic problem there's and, and I did see I did
1: see a guy I remember the last time we were in Germany. I remember. I specifically remember it was an E46 BMW that was doing weird things in the middle lane, Mm. and I was like, "What is he doing?" And it was Germany, where where typically the driving is superb. Yeah, went by me was looking at his phone. I was like, "It's it's here too, and it's a scourge." But to put it the other way, though, I don't think there's anybody in Germany in the left lane on the de restricted autobahn that is looking at anything but the road.
0: I agree. I agree because
1: there is too much going on, and we are going
0: way too fast. Should be doing anything but paying attention to this. We've talked about this before. I mean, it's a privilege. And everybody in the U.S. thinks it's a right. Mm. But it is a privilege. And people pay a lot of money for their driving tests and exams and the privilege to drive. And then they've got the skill to back it up. Yeah, hopefully.
1: hopefully. In Germany. Yeah. Well, Tony, I hope we've helped her. I didn't expect that to go quite so, like, car instruction ranty, but it did. So there was our opening (laughs) rant. Tony, thanks for helping us. Hello to your wife and your kids as well. I hope you guys actually do some driving fun. I realize Florida is not really a windy road state. So I hope we find a track or some (laughs) autocross just to to ring that SS out. And congrats on having an SS, too. By the way, you practically are buying my greatest hits. You had an FRS. Now you have an SS.
0: Man, bravo. I'm very impressed. Hopefully all in orange. Well, guys, we've got some great debates for you here. We're going to start out with Isaac R. and his wife, who are near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They wrote in as wedding photographers, 100-pound dog owners, and future kids on their radar looking for a particular car. And as Isaac said, he's annoyed his wife to the point where he can no longer ask for her input. (laughs) That stuck out to me, Isaac, because... Yeah, welcome. And uh, we're we're happy to debate this. Actually I'm I'm rather excited. Got some interesting choices for you, but uh, he's got this endless search going on because of their unique requirements. And I thought, wow, wedding photographers, you're carrying lighting and gear and all kinds of stuff. We know what that's like traveling to photo shoot locations. We're yeah, for we're sure. pretty slim down in the gear category. We're pretty we
1: keep refining and good, making but it smaller and
0: smaller, but it's still tons of cases. It's still a lot. Yeah, for sure. For All right, sure. so as I said, they're wedding photographers based outside of Philadelphia. They own two dogs that are 90 to 100 pounds. First is an Akita mm-hmm. and then an Alaskan Malamute. Yeah. Holy cow. Does your so.
1: Malamute talk? I find that Malamutes come into two categories, the ones that <laughs> never say anything and the ones that that honestly will not shut up. And it's kind of cute until it's not. But the ones, And, and when a Malamute talks, I'm sorry I'm going all dog crazy here, but when a Malamute talks, it sounds like most other dogs yawns. They just do this ongoing kind of yawn, yelp this thing. Yowling. And, and they thing. Just, they'll just they just talk at you. And yeah. I've known some people with Malamutes who literally, the entire time I met them, they were like stealth dogs. They never said a word. They never, never said anything. And they just floated through the house, and they'd appear beside you. I've met those Malamutes, and I met the others where <laughs> – All the neighbors know where the dog is because it never is quiet. So I'm just curious how your dog is. I hope they're awesome. That's funny. you are going to have to deal with those dogs in the back of whatever this car is and gear, which puts us immediately into the world of hatches and wagons. You don't want an SUV. Yes. You give us a list of all the cars you've owned. Your wife's car actually is currently a, a G37XS sedan, which she actually really likes. You currently have an Audi A6 Avant that is used, but has given you problems. You wish it was reliable. I find this funny. You wish it was as reliable as the GTI you had before it.
0: That's a statement loaded with irony. That's a weird sentence, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Agreed. So the big point here is they currently have no car payments. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, the most inexpensive car you can own is the one that's paid for and that you already own. As long as it doesn't nickel and dime you. But then there's that, which is starting with mm-hmm. his A6 mm-hmm. Avant because of the unreliability, interestingly. But you are way up at 178,000 miles. So. True, true, true. Okay, so a lot of requirements here that include possibly a manual transmission, but Isaac is open to the manual because of the traffic. So Open to automatic, yeah. Or automatic, yeah. yes. Uh, so we'll leave that there. He loves the hatches and, hatches and wagons no gm products, mm-hmm. no fca products, yep. and no toyota products. Notice this. Yeah. Wow. So mileage is an issue, uh as in miles per gallon, low miles on the next car is, you know, under 60 if possible. Yep, yep. And because he's a thin guy, he likes a more snug fitting seat. So I I love the specificity of all your requirements here yeah. yeah, in yeah. here. You've really thought about this. And you've included your wife's requirements, including seats as well. He mm-hmm. says, think of the princess in the pea story. Okay. All right. That's on my mind. <laughs> uh, a hatchback just itself will be too small for the dogs and the kids and their stuff, future kids. And then must be a brand that doesn't have a budget reputation. And he gives the example of Kia. I don't take offense because you're right. Even yeah. though they're building great cars. Yeah. Put fair. that out there. And then no Mercedes Benz either because of the seats. Wow. All this wrapped up in a budget limiting me to $22,000. I noticed this. Yeah. 18 yeah. to 20 says Paul limiter 22 K and then a full list of stuff that he's already considered, which is great. I, I like that you're thinking this, but see here's a lot of where tech in
1: there. Here's where his wife's been driven, driven nuts. This is where Isaac's wife is going, you know what? I don't know. Ask someone else because he has this list of about 12 cars here that he's like, this this is an option. And so is this. And
0: so is this. And so is this. And she's probably just going, would you buy something? What are we getting? Stop it. Exactly. Just go get a car already. So what is that going to be? Well, he's got the uh, Golf Sport Wagon, Golf All Track, many Subarus. So an Outback and a Forester. Mm -hmm. Do you notice the Clubman All 4 on here, a 2014 Clubman All 4? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Two Volvo's, which are renowned for their seats. At least we love them for their seats. Yeah. Ford Flex on here, and uh, I have to laugh because your wife hates the Ford Flex. My wife really hates the. Ford the fridge Flex. tipped on its side. She has a visceral reaction to people driving the Ford Flex,
1: and I yes, don't know why. I, I I actually think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's 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 a. It's a love it or hate it styling. I get it. It's not
0: for everybody, but all right.
1: But inexplicably, the first time my wife ever saw one, just like out of the blue, she was like, "What is that?" And she she just loathes. Here came the rant. And so, if we randomly wind up behind one, the rant starts again. I don't know. I I don't know if a Ford Flex actually, you know, tipped her in a parking lot or something. She got her hand slammed in a
0: door, but the Flex is she's not a fan. (laughs) He also gives us cars that he list of cars he'd love to have, but don't exist. Yeah. Like uh, a G thirty seven S wagon, <laughs> good. <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been cool if BMW had thought of that. They would have built it. Yes. But because it was Nissan Infiniti, they didn't. Yes. Fair. All right. So, getting to these choices here, I I, uh, I like your BMW, your three twenty eight X drive on here. Yeah. I like your all road. Yeah. That's interesting. There's some good stuff. Even the TSX wagon is on his list. Cool is. Uh, pretty cool mm-hmm. it says the rear strut towers cut down on some cargo air area, fun- area functionality which i agree i've got a wild card for you though isaac i'm actually kind of excited to i've got a couple this. guesses on a
1: wild card as well
0: yeah the place that i started was mazda i started with a 2015 mazda cx9 hmm, okay. front wheel drive grand okay. touring thirty six thousand miles and i found you one for 21.9 so just under your cap
1: that's excellent it's a good find
0: it's I mean, a larger car. We're talking SUV now. And it's not an enthusiast car by any stretch, no, but it's not. You've got two big dogs and a bunch of cameras and lenses. Yeah. I mean, for what he needs to do,
1: the enthusiast thing, let's be honest, is probably going to be lower on the list. It just is.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. And I back your play on the 2014 BMW 328i X-Drive wagon. Found you one with 27,000 miles Ooh, for the same price, twenty one nine. That's a really good deal on that. I like it. Couldn't I believe like it, that. Yeah. So, yes, uh, you can do the BMW thing. BMWs and Volvos with the great seats, by the way. So just keep that in mind. Then I went to, before I get to the wild card, I thought about the Audi Q5. Okay. Now, it's not as big, I think, as the CX-9 as far as the interior or with the seats folded down, the cargo Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. capacious area back there. But check out the Q5 2.0T Premium Plus. Found you a 2014 one with 42,000 miles for 22K. Hmm. There's loads of them for that price, as a matter of fact. Interesting. Okay. And All I think right. it is a long-term car that you're going to have, yeah, at least the next 10 years. Okay. Easy. Okay. But my wild card, <laughs> instead of getting just one car, I got you two. You're kidding. For twenty-two grand, you pulled off two? Yeah. What'd you do? This is interesting. Isaac, stay with me for a moment. How about a 2013 Cadillac CTS wagon? Not the V. No, true. True, true. But the non-Vs are cheap. The non-Vs are cheap. I found you a blue one with black, like charcoal black wheels. Looks tight. Does sound cool. Tinted windows. Does sound cool. $17,000 with only 48,000 miles, Okay. which leaves you five to six grand to go get yourself a Mazda MX-5 Miata. I like it. I like it. Now it is... The Cadillac. It is a GM product. Yeah. It is a GM product, that's the problem. And the rear cargo area is not as big as any of the other cars I suggested. But it's not but it's not bad. It's it's bigger but than some of the ones on his list. You got a fun car out
1: yeah. of it. And and honestly, that's a decent chassis too.
0: It is. It is. It's I a decent I chassis. Remember you and I driving the V series and just the chassis alone yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. And we'd driven other versions
1: of the CTS that wasn't the wagon. I mean that's a, that's a that's a good generation now. It's a love it or hate it styling. Mm-hmm but it's it's the interior before the Q system. True, which can be helpful. That's a great point. I don't know if you can can you can you get the wagon, the non-V wagon in a manual, I don't know. I think automatic's probably the way to go with your usage anyway.
0: I think so. It'd be a really rare car. If, I think if possible.
1: I th- I've got a possible GM exception as well, but I think that is a superb GM exception.
0: I had to throw that, that out there just because I thought fun car. I mean, your wife has hers. Mm-hmm. Then you, you know, share the wagon for all mm-hmm. the photo gear and the dogs. Hopefully not all at once, but... I doubt it. Because uh, lenses and dog hair are not really a good mix. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But then waiting for you at home... Is a fun little sports car, and you and she just get out and go for a drive.
1: You don't have kids yet. You just go out, drop the top. Here we go. Exactly right. That's really cool. I I do like that. You figured out a way to get somebody a Miata that didn't ask for one. That's impressive, (laughs) honestly. Exactly. I like it when you put it like that, too. That's really good. You just figured out a way to find you a Miata. I have one. Miata's (laughs) for everyone. There we go. So this is good. I want to come to the car I actually think is your answer here, and I think you've got it on your list, and I think it is your answer. But I want to I get there in a minute. First off, I want to start way off in the weeds. A car I think would be, you'd be the perfect person for. Okay. I do think it's above your budget and it is GM, but I just have to put it out here because it's coming soon. The Buick Regal Tour X, the new Buick Regal wagon. Good, good. I think you might be the buyer for this car.
0: But what is the price? Even at the sure, level, I'm sure it'll be 35. I was gonna say, are we Isaac talking 30, I, I'm, 35? I'm sure it's,
1: I'm sure it's out. I mean, you mentioned early on here you wanted to stay under 30, and then when you got specific with us later, you said you really want to cap us at 22. So, so
0: you blew his budget worse than I
1: did. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground for here comes a new
0: wagon. That's what, the whole reason I'm waving the flag. But that's interesting that GM has identified this niche and is competing mm-hmm. in the Serena now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jag, uh, what is it, the XK wagon? No, uh, XF wagon Yeah, was introduced at the LA Auto Show, but that's going to be an expensive car. Yeah, but I just, I, I think that is the
1: weird one that probably is out of your budget and doesn't quite exist yet. But I sat here and went, really, I think we found a potential candidate for that car. And you don't go into why GM is off limits. So I, I also list that one tentatively. But I thought, okay, okay. Then I had a wild card. Then I'm gonna get, come down to earth. Then I had a wild card, <laughs> and I did think this: twenty-two grand. I went looking. You can find these. You have an A6 from '07. Now I will tell you something that I happen to have heard and seen about the A6s. Something about the early 2000s A6s. Everyone I knew that had an early 2000s A6, it was a money pit. Every single person Mm. I knew that had one. Mm. I don't know why, but consistently, from like 2000 to 08 or 2010, I didn't know anybody with an A6 that didn't tell me anything but this is burning cash. I have not heard that as much since. So jumping off of that, you're talking about having a high miles 07 Audi that it sounds like you like. It just hasn't been as reliable as your Golf. What about an A7? You can do it for this money.
0: Can you do it for twenty two? Do it for this money? No I looked kidding. Them
1: up. They're out there. Of course, you can do it for thirty and forty, and you know of how, how much do you want? So
0: this must be the early A sevens. But I've heard nothing but in terms of twenty twelve. You know, twenty thirteen. They're out car. there.
1: Interesting. Used, they're at this budget. You're gonna you're gonna be the things because here's the thing. I also feel like you're you're wanting that GTI back, which you're saying it's not quite big enough. Mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. wanting a slightly new experience but I but you' I'm recognizing the fact that you there's things about that A6 you've liked. so I go okay and I am putting it in wild card category. What about an A7? That's interesting. So there's a wild card because okay. it's close to where you are right now sure but there it is. I like your TSX wagon I think that's interesting and unique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like your, your Volkswagen sportback. But I think that's only worthwhile if you bought brand new and you take advantage of Volkswagen's current, please please forgive us, warranty. Sure. So can you pull sure. that off for your budget? I don't know. My favorite for you here is not an enthusiast car, but it checks every other box.
0: Okay. Room,
1: reliable, miles per gallon, automatic, all-wheel drive. Not GM. will just run. Not GM. <laughs> your Subaru Outback is probably the answer here. Yeah. I've driven it. This is not an enthusiast car. It is the SUV alternative. It has great space. They sell like crazy because they just run. That, that really is the car that if you're looking for your workhorse car, dogs, camera cases, eventual kids, hey, look, it runs, honey. Subaru Outback is really hard to beat here. And here's the thing. The other reason I say that is because and I'm landing there because of this. I was reading your email, and it was quite lengthy, but I was reading it. I hadn't gotten to your list of cars you were looking at yet. And I instantly thought, you need an Outback. So when it strikes me that early on in the email and then I got to your list and saw it on the list, I was like, I'm staying right there.
0: Those Subarus have grown in size of the past years. Every time oh, I see which. one, I do a double take and I think, why is that that big? I mean, the 90s the Subaru wagons were not very big. And the, then they've just grown. The
1: current Outback is SUV space inside. Yeah, it's and up there. It, it is almost SUV in size. At one point, I had one as a loner, and I parked it next to my wife. At that point, her Acadia, and I was surprised how the Outback was eighty percent the size of the Acadia. And think about what an Acadia is; it's a seven-seat full-on SUV. Sure.
0: So, but I think the Outback really gets it done here. I do. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for uh, for both you and your wife. I really hope that you find something useful, and you got you've got some driving to do. But, yeah, I tried to get you a fun car in there. I'm really trying because, uh, you know, something waiting at home to think about.
1: I love that you found someone a Miata that wasn't even looking. <laughs> you who aren't a big Miata fan. I know. You just went,
0: you know what you need? You need a Miata. Excess yeah. money. When you have leftover money. Excess money. <laughs> that's what you do. Because that's a problem that we all have, don't we? I just don't know what to do with all this cash. <laughs> what do I do with this cash? Well, guys, we love hearing from you, and write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or on the website. You can find us there, everydaydriver.com, and write to us your story, hopefully less than two scrolls. but Ideally. I, yeah, I, we, we love hearing it. I am more interested in paragraphs even than I am in two scrolls. Paragraphs, punctuation, it's, it's grammar. It's the wall
1: of text that just terrifies me. It's like being smacked by, by letters. But yes. anyway, Yes, yeah.
0: and the Oxford comma. Should that strike you to use it properly, then uh, I would appreciate that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come right back. Something we were just approached with is very interesting. We're really excited to share this with you because it's about Omaze, the online fundraising platform. Get this, one lucky person is going to win the sixth Model 3 Tesla ever made, courtesy of Kimball Musk. Now, Kimball Musk is Elon Musk's brother, and he's just announced he's giving away his personal and fully customized Model 3 Tesla for charity. This car has everything from voice-activated controls, Wi-Fi LTE connectivity, premium audio, LED fog lamps, long-range battery, and the taxes are covered, too. All you do to enter is this. It's as little as $10.
1: All the proceeds go to Big Green. This is Kimball Musk's initiative, and what this does is this teaches kids about healthier eating. It provides healthier futures to kids by learning gardens, food literacy. This is teaching kids to grow good food, understand good food, and eat well. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. That's awesome. $10 is as little as you can get in. That's a great way to do this. The winner is randomly selected at the end of this campaign. To enter, visit omaze.com slash driver. That's O-M-A-Z-E dot com slash driver. There's all kinds of different experiences. You can win stuff at every one of these campaigns, but you're donating to great causes. There's stuff there for William Shatner, Arnold Schwarzenegger, others. But on this one, you're winning a Model 3. That's pretty cool. Don't forget, use the promo code DRIVER to double your chances of winning on any of these. So, you're giving to a great cause, and you might win a Tesla Model 3. What's not to like? This is awesome. Go to omaze.com driver now.
0: If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does that actually mean? You know, the same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from TrueCar.
1: Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees, accessories, everything before you even get to the dealership. TrueCar dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you
0: want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, because TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers already know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car
1: buying experience. Some features aren't available in all states. Our second debate is for Jeff, writing to us from St. Louis. Thanks for writing in, man. You said you've been uh, watching the videos, listening to the podcast for a while. Thank you. And you guys recently moved to the U.S. from Toronto. Mm -hmm. And the kids are in college. So we're (laughs) buying a
0: car. This is great. Well, uh, thank you for watching, listening to the podcast as well. And uh, he wants to get a car with personality. Mm -hmm. So they are now in the city of St. Louis, Missouri, and they've got a garage. His wife walks to work and almost never drives. She Mm -hmm. hasn't for many years, Mm -hmm. but she can drive a manual transmission, so she can throw down. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, uh, Jeff has given us a list of cars that include a Triumph TR7 from 1977. Very cool. Wow, my neighbor had a TR7, and I loved the pop-up headlights. And I was well, like ten or eleven years old, and I was which is which
1: is prime pop-up headlights time.
0: And it's one of those classic, you know, door wedge
1: shapes. Totally, it's one of those cars in the door wedge category. We just go. Somebody looked at a door wedge
0: and went, "Let's put wheels on that and just call it a car." But the problem is, it never ran. It always sat in his driveway. That is the problem. Yes, I wondered why I never drove drove it, and then I figured out later. Because he needed parts and it didn't run very well, but what a cool car. Anyway, so he also had a Peugeot 405 1999 when he was in England, also mm-hmm. manual. Most of his cars are manual, as a matter of fact. For sure, yeah. All right, so currently he's got a Volkswagen Passat TDI 2005 with 250,000 kilometers. That's the current car. Mm-hmm. But he's looking for something sporty with a manual transmission, and he's got a healthy budget $40,000, 50K if we stretch. I'm going to stretch a little bit even past that. Of course you are. and um, not surprised at all. I, yeah. I might have a tasty choice for you here or a combination. Because, yeah, the kids are in college. That's, uh, that's yeah. why they I'm going to stretch it. Their son is, has grown
1: up and is away at university, so that's cool. Here's, here's where this has another twist, though, that, I, that I've never seen come across in an email before.
0: Hmm.
1: He's talking about he's worried about the flashy factor of this car. Right, right. He goes to some places where he's worried about driving an expensive badge car. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a question about should I get two cars or should I somehow get a car that doesn't have a flashy appearance? This is a, a concern for where they live in St. Louis. Right. So right. I actually have come up with a two car scenario here. Yeah. And I, that I think gets it done and still solves the badge problem either way. I mean, he said that he's looking at Cayman S's because, you know, if you listen to this podcast, at some point you've opened up the internet and looked at Cayman S's. So Jeff has looked at Cayman S's, <laughs> and great. of course you have. guarantee, uh, Yeah, if you've listened to Paul for two minutes, you've gone, what are Cayman's in my area? That has right. definitely happened. right? Uh, so there's those. I mean, you could look at that. You've talked about uh, maybe Golf R, GTI. But the truth here is you want to have some fun. But yeah. you need... But you you said if you had a Cayman-S, your concern would be you don't want to take the Cayman through a rough neighborhood or randomly to Walmart. And I can get that point. Right. So then what do you do? So I am going with a two-car scenario,
0: but I'm very curious uh, where you've gone. I like, Jeff, that the Kia Stinger GT2 has been calling to you. (laughs) I noticed that. (laughs) I like that. We just got in that, as a matter of fact, for Mm -hmm. episode one of season three on Velocity. Yep, yep, yep. Really enjoyed it. Very interesting car, and I'm fascinated that Kia has gone so big, as a matter of fact. But, uh, yeah, just because the car has a down-market badge doesn't mean the car isn't flashy, because the Stinger is kind of flashy. I'll be honest. A little, little bit, It's yeah. new, shiny, looks really good, and... It's got serious ki- presence. Kind of attracts some attention, to be honest. I can see that. I, I mean, not. That. it's not a... You know, the typical German hotness. You you didn't pull in
1: with a Porsche, but at the same time, somebody went, what is that car? Yes.
0: So I will say that it's not necessarily just the badge and, uh, you know, a a lesser badge, if you will, a Kia. But here's the example of the Stinger being a pretty great looking car. Mm, So it's about the car, not necessarily the badge, even though, yes, there is that, you know, loaded preconception already Mm -hmm. in us. Wheels do a lot to attract you to a car. True. True. Same True. way you look at a motorcycle seat and you think, I like that bike. It
2: mm-hmm. looks
0: comfortable to ride. It's ostrich skin or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You, I go, ooh, pretty colors. But yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, the badge definitely is an issue. Mm-hmm. But the color of the car and the yeah. you know wheel choice, all that kind of stuff, you can kind of pull back from it. But I also want the two-car route, too, because okay. I want you to feel like you've got not a beater car, but a car that just... Looks like an econobox, Yeah. but is secretly still fun to drive. Good. good you have good. suggested the GTI or even a Golf R. Yeah, yeah. But what you've done with your budget here is kind of split it nearly equally. Say a GTI or a Golf R for 2025, mm-hmm. and then a Cayman for 2025. Yes, yeah. that's good. I love it as a start. I really do. And yes, all day long to that equation. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can get a Cayman for 20 to 30. That's great. GTI for 25, 30, somewhere in there. You're already seeing that I'm pushing on your budget, can't you?
1: Yep. Not surprised. Interestingly, and, and there's,
0: a, there's a Porsche in there, yeah. The safety features is also something you're talking about here. And speaking of safety features, when I was doing follow footage with the Kia Stinger, mm-hmm. it has this, you know, the, the, uh, the park or the, the, the automatic brakes thing.
1: Yeah, the emergency braking thing, yeah.
0: I couldn't get the car shoved into the camera lens as far as I wanted to before the brakes went what the heck are you doing Yeah, yeah and yeah. slammed on without me doing that. Yeah. And then, you know, there's nothing I can do. I mean, it, it locked the seatbelt. It, you know, it was crazy, honestly, yeah. but the car doesn't know that it's sort of like, a, I know what I'm doing here. I got this. Yeah. I I'm trying to do that. The car Doesn't can't figure
1: out why why Paul is is achieving massive closing distance on a car not going as fast as him in front. <laughs> and so, when it got within closing distance, it just decided you clearly aren't paying attention. I must stop the car for you, right? And and we we actually gotten over the years pretty good at this cruising. At what I honestly, the best way I can describe it is <laughs> formation driving. <laughs> it's true. It is the car on camera with the car that has the camera. And we are sometimes inches off of bumpers with wide-angle lenses, and we've gotten very good at this. I don't claim to be a race driver. Paul doesn't either. No, no, no. But we would be perfectly happy to go up against just about anybody in a formation driving scenario because (laughs) we've done it so much. And Paul has a secret just cackle that he just loves to see (laughs) if he can make me shake my head at him because he's gotten the car so close to the lens that I actually no longer have a usable shot. It's, it's just true. this it's just this out of focus thing of a grill and I just have to back up and be like you know I'm going to wait until I just you want back to off.
0: Touch the badge to the camera lens just kiss it the, the, gently. The Kia did not like this. No it didn't. So I will say regarding safety features the latest safety features are your own driving skill improvement. <laughs> <laughs> that is the latest safety feature when sure. you put the phone down that is the latest. Yeah I hear you. Not that you are Jeff and then a car that can out accelerate out brake and out handle anything else instead mm. of relying mm-hmm. on the car I'm glad for those safety features and I'm glad that they will bring insurance premiums down theoretically hopefully but for I'm also worried that they will potentially make us more lazy drivers well yeah. the car is gonna break the car is not gonna let me turn into that car so I'm just I'm fine I'm not gonna turn my head yeah yeah when I change lanes hmm. no turn your head so okay knowing that I really wanted to get you into a BMW 1M Really? I really did as a single car for fifty dollars see it. I can, Yeah, they're out there. To most people, this is a broad generalization, Yeah, most people will just look at it and think, oh, it's a little cute, you know, kind of small BMW. Mm-hmm. It's a BMW, but, you know, just a small Econo car, right? Yeah. To the rest of us, we're going, it's a 1M. Look at sure. the fender flares. You look get at it this in, car. You get it in other than orange, it can hide for sure. Yeah. You know, black, maybe white. I mean, those are really the only two colors to choose from. Yeah, black, white, orange. Those are your options. But I'm just saying, in black, it kind of it doesn't blend. But you can kind of miss it if you're not into cars. Yeah, I agree with that. So therefore, that that is in the category of cars that blend and they're still flashy and nice. And (laughs) does it blend? Does the one M blend? Don't do that, by the way. If if you
1: have a if you have a one M, you're about to throw in a blender. Call me. I will take it off your hands. Yeah, no kidding.
0: So then I thought, well, what about a 128i or 135i with a sport package? Similar, it blends a little bit better. Yeah, it's not yeah. quite as chunky in the blender. You could do a one thirty five is, yeah. You could, but then here is where I went. Okay, because you mentioned the Cayman, this is getting real now. All right, Jeff. all right. How about an older GTI or a ten thousand dollar Fiesta ST that hmm. is a cackle to drive? Ten grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the the Econo hidden car. Sure. Only sure. you know how much fun you're you're having. Don't
1: get it in the fantastic Todd colors like the crazy orange or the very bright blue or the the neon green. Those are all the colors I would buy that car. Don't do those colors. We need to go to
0: Crayola with these colors. Practically, yeah. All right, so get that so that checks ten grand off of here. Okay. All right. Theoretically, with your budget, you might think you've got forty left, but I'm going to add another ten grand. <laughs> of course. Why not? The Why reason not? is yeah. is because your son is gone. Okay. And my friend, you need a 2009 911 Carrera 4S, $49,000, wow. only 62,000 miles. Wow. That is your weekend car, my friend.
1: Yeah. That becomes the, I'm going to drive it for the heck of it car, which is great.
0: Yeah. yeah. Welcome to a 997.2 911 Carrera 2S, 4S, mm-hmm. whatever you can find, 49K. Okay. All right. They are waiting for you, my friend. You'd have a 911 sit in the garage. Yeah. Holy I moly. And then the Fiesta ST. It. Yeah. Nobody knows. It's just in the Kana box. Mm-hmm. It just looks like the, you know, whatever. To yeah, most people, cares? again, it yeah. just looks like nothing. Yeah. The rest of us know what it is and go, oh, cool. Yeah. How fun is that? Interesting point. All right. So, yes, I added 10 grand. Well, I added nine grand. <laughs> yes, I added 10 grand. We'll call it nine. And if, you know, the dealer takes eight, then I've only added, or 48, I've only added eight great grand to your- uh, Unbelievable. To your budget. But then you're in a 911 because- my question to you, Jeff, is when else are you going to do it? Yeah. Instead I, of equal see sharing that. of budgets, go real, just scrape by and get a 911.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Jeff did say two things that, uh, that struck me as I read this, and thanks for this great email, Jeff. He said that typically they've only been a one-car family. Right. So getting two cars is a big shift. That's <laughs> kind of pretty blew that up too. Well, and I'm going two cars as well, but I thought that was interesting. You also mentioned that you do a lot of mountaineering and rock climbing. So you'd like some practicality. Mm-hmm. Now cool. I'm going to go on a side note and say there were multiple times that I went to the rock wall with my backpack of gear shoved in the back of the 300 ZX so that I could drive the fun road. Yeah. Yeah, So exactly. you can do it in smaller cars, but you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Single car, that needs to go to the shops. Maybe you're going to Costco. Who knows? Okay. You want something that isn't going to be bothered but is very usable. So I am thinking hatch. I like your GTI idea. I think that's not going to be bothered and is perfectly good. GTI is sure. great. You could shop WRX maybe. Now, it's not a hatch, but you could shop WRX. That's a car that is kind of in that sleeper category. You could get the 2010 hatch. You could. You could go back a bit. But here's my favorite actually for you. A car that, any time you need any kind of utility or let's drive nice, get yourself a used Volvo V60. Okay. Just a nice, go shop a nice Volvo V60. Nobody's gonna touch it. It's gonna be fine. It's a Volvo. It's got great seats. They've got good safety features. It does all of that stuff. So you want to haul your gear to the to the rock. All of that is great. Okay. Now, whatever money you've got left over, go buy yourself. An MX-5 Miata. You went Miata on the last one. I'm going there this one because here's the thing: if if you end up taking the Miata through the weird neighborhood or to the shops,
0: nobody bothers a Miata either. True. You How have- are you splitting up the budget? Like NDNC Miatas? Is that what you're thinking? I think it'd be better if you can, but but let's let's target NC.
1: Let's just target a nice NC. You can get a hardtop, gorgeous one for twelve fifteen grand. A gorgeous one. Yeah. Okay, but then you and your wife have a car to just go out and enjoy together that isn't too flashy. Nobody's going to bother a Miata. If you end up going through the questionable neighborhood or you go to the shops in that car, it's a Miata. Who cares? But it's fun. Hmm. And then you have the car that if you want to haul all your rock climbing gear or what, let's say your wife decides to take up the cello. We've talked about the cello before. We have had matter. cellos it in our podcast. It doesn't matter. Your, your son wants to haul all of his college stuff home next weekend. Surprise. You have the Volvo wagon. Consisting
0: mainly of laundry. Probably. You have the Volvo wagon and it works. I'm going with those two. Huh, I like it, but that actually speaks to you know the Volvo being used more, which is true with the fun car. It kind of sits on the weekend, but you know the usefulness is there, which I yeah. like. And and I and I don't think I think the Miata
1: is the car that it, if you, it, it's it's clear here, Jeff, that you are a kind of person who you are concerned about what impression the nice car gives off. Hmm. And I just feel like it's impossible to be mad or angry or aggressive towards somebody in a Miata. Right. They're having so much fun driving it. But no part of you is just like that guy.
0: He's driving a Miata.
1: We're just just happy
0: about it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. All right. Well, we've got so many listener questions on social media. We've got to jump to this real quick. I'm going to jump in with Tyler H. asking us if we could purchase one reasonably priced older used car Mm. with a multi-year bumper-to-bumper warranty, what would it be? Essentially, (laughs) what he's asking is, what unreliable, awesome used car would you buy if you didn't have to pay for repairs? I've got two for you. Great. I'm listening. I want a V12 anything. Okay. I want an Aston Martin Vantage V12 manual. Yeah. Or a 92 BMW 850i V12 manual.
1: <laughs> the, the big eight. Fi- I wondered if you'd go 850. Would you say
0: 12 yeah, yeah. I want a V12 in my yeah. life. Because yeah. I don't know that they'll ever be offered again unless it's a supercar. Hmm. And Aston's really the only one doing it anymore. Nobody else is going to offer V12 because turbocharging and supercharging is so good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fuel efficiency and all that stuff. And then sure. hybrid engines. Nobody's ever going to build a V12 hybrid. There's no point. Interesting. the The engine that is going away with a manual is what I want. I hmm. want that Aston V12 manual. Yeah, that's tempting. That's really yeah. Tempting. Right. Sound. I do see manual. That. All that stuff. And the Vantage is a fun, fun car. Yeah, I do that's see what that. I want.
1: Okay. All right. I'm gonna. I, I hadn't. I actually. I hadn't picked this one. So I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. Uh, I've got a couple that strike me. First gen okay. Audi R8. Good. That Excellent. Would, I, would, I mean, the the 4.2 liter V8 with the, the six-speed gated shifter. That's a great car. I just, yeah, I'd like to not have to pay for a single thing that needs but own one. <laughs> I feel like everybody I know that buys an E46 M3 loves it except paying to keep it running. True. So okay. So I would put that in the category. Okay. Good. And then one that, because it's me, they always stop me and I look. Okay. And then I think, how terrible is that to own? The Lotus Esprit V8.
0: The really? late-gen V8s.
1: Really? Like the late 90s, early 2000s
0: V8s. That's probably an unreliable car. I
1: just imagine that that car, what does it need this week? And by the way, while we're at it, what's it need next week? Let's just, what's it need? That's funny. But
0: why not? I do like that car. I oh, think it's so crazy. There was, low. There
1: was one on Bring a Trailer this week, and I was just staring at it <laughs> because for, for no for no good reason, because I don't need it. But and I, and I really I want it against my own better judgment. But there is that, and then of course I do have to say this while we're talking about it. I really
0: would like to have a cheap phaeton. Yeah, you would. You still haven't let that go. I mean, you've let it go for now, I think. But yeah, I think there might be a phaeton if, in your life. If if I could, here's the thing. If I genuinely,
1: if I could have a phaeton. And not have to worry about what it needs done to it, I would get one tomorrow. I genuinely would.
0: But the problem is, any of the suspension, one corner is seven hundred bucks for replacing your electronic well, suspension. Well, but that's seven hundred bucks for the parts. You yeah, that's just the parts. Yet. You're right. Yeah, and that's, that's a funny I mean. thing. We were talking to our
1: uh, Volkswagen Porsche mechanic, the guy that we we both use. Bob, on yeah, for the Cayenne, and and Bob was hysterical because he just started looking stuff up. Because he's one of these guys that he goes directly by the book. I'll tell you exactly what it's going to cost you. Because I'll tell you exactly how I can cheap I can get the part, and I, I will only charge you the labor this says. <laughs> so he's fun. great about it. the The transmissions are ten grand before you blink, and that's for parts. you haven't done anything to it yet. But he said he said the problem with those cars. I, and, I, and Bob just starts laughing about it. We start talking about it. He said the problem with that car is not the shocks. The problem with that car is not the engine. The problem with that car is you're going to buy it for less than the cost of the transmission, and it may need one. Oh. So anyway, yeah, I'll put that on the list as well. That's a good one.
0: Oh, man. All right. Uh, What else did you find on here?
1: Uh, Alexander on Facebook. I I have to say this. I feel like it's low-hanging fruit, and I think Nate already mentioned it, but I have to say it. Which company do we feel is the worst at showing a lot of amazing concepts that never come to fruition? I call them out every time. Yeah, Subaru with the WRX concepts. The concepts are everyone must buy two. They're so spectacularly good. And then they run it through, like, the bland dryer, and it comes out the other side as, oh, <laughs> well, okay, there's a WRX. I'm sure it'll be kind of fun to drive, but what happened to the – did you did you guys not see the con- – it's like a different design studio did the concept. It's like they outsourced to somebody who went, you know what, it'd be cool, and then back at Subaru, they went, yeah, that's cool. We like that. That was a good
0: design concept. Meanwhile, here's the car. I can't explain that phenomenon, by the way. I can't explain why they do it, but I can explain the the concept car because – they do the production car and get it done mm-hmm. and sign off, and it goes to tooling. Meanwhile, between that time and the time of the auto show, now is when they get to design the car they actually wanted. Mm-hmm. The concept car is usually designed after, not usually sometimes, I will say. Yeah, it can be. Most I of the time, the point. concept you know goes to the production, but many times, the concept car is done after the production car, and it's sort of like, okay, guys, what would you actually like to build and what, yeah. what do you actually want it yeah. to look like? that's when they do it but i will say the danny behar era of lotus when he wanted to revitalize lotus and came out with five lotus concepts and mm-hmm. everybody went finally yes mm-hmm. let's do it none of them came to fruition not a single one that was yeah. a giant tease although i am kind of liking that they're coming out with an suv
1: well secretly. here's
0: the thing they need to as much
1: as i am not a everyone buy suv fan they need to this is the whole reason alpha's drop the Stelvio and Porsche has the Macan and Ferrari and Lamborghini are getting in this game because this is where the money is. And the number one thing Lotus has to have is the ability to be solvent (laughs) <laughs> so if the SUV, not sure that they've ever tasted that. No, if the SUV does it, and this was and it was a revolutionary step for Porsche. As much as you know, the purists raged against it. It made Porsche solid enough to do the crazy stuff they're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So if that's the case, I say bring on the SUV.
0: Yeah, for sure. Alexander calls out Jeep as well, and the uh, Easter Jeep Safari in Moab, Utah, is coming up quickly. Yeah, but yeah, they've yeah. come out with some awesome concepts. I agree. And sure, then sure, yeah. none of them will go forward. So. Maybe Icon 4x4, four four, you know, pick something up. Oh well, yeah, money's no object. Why not? Build something. All right. Uh, what else on here? I'm uh, looking see, down here. You
1: see Jeff on Facebook. Jeff asked a great question that gets discussed a lot, I feel like. Uh, this, is a, this is a classic question that happens when you have comparison tests. He said, don't we think that a multi-car comparison test, that all the cars should be on the same tires? Oh, yeah. I'm going to answer this two ways, Jeff. In a perfect world, Yes, of course. It would be awesome to put every car on the exact same tires. I don't care if it's a winter test or if it's a summer test. Let's put them all on exactly the same tires so that that equation is taken out of, the, out of it. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. There are two problems. Even for the big magazines, that is a cost and hassle beyond what they can do and make the, make the comparison work. hmm let alone for us. I mean, would I love to do it? Would I love Michelin to send us a stack of tires. Yes, hello, Michelin. I will take a t- stack of tires, and we will talk about them up Bring one it. side and down the other, even more than we already do. Yeah. If, if Bridgestone wants to send us for every time we drive something in the winter, I will take those tires. I will find garage space. But the problem is having those tires, having the space, getting it done is the hard part. But then I'm going to say the counterpoint to you, Jeff, of the reason I would say no, it's not necessary is because if the manufacturer picked a different tire than their competitor, then it should be compared the way it was released. Because the manufacturer said, it's done that way. Those are the ones we're putting on it. We know our competitors are putting on something else. Then it's got to be judged the way they think done. This is the whole thing we talk about on this show, or we have tried to strive to do on this show. I get it. As a guy that has changed and tuned my cars... I understand the argument when something loses a comparison test and somebody answers with, well, yeah, but if you tune it with the stop, because the only baseline agreed that is quote unquote, and, I, and it is air quotes equal is to test cars the way the manufacturer said, that's wh- we're done. That's the way we're selling it. Because once you start adding your own stuff to it, that's not a universal thing. Now, did you get the right exhaust? Did you do the oh, stop. The manufacturer did R and D and said, there's our car. And right. The competitor said, here's our car. I realize the tires don't match. I realize that this this car over here, could, the FRS is a great example. Why can't you tune out the torque dip? I don't know. But you've got to take them at the way they come and talk about their competitors that way. Because otherwise, it's kind of all bets are off. And that's the only reason I would say the tire change isn't necessary, even though Perfect World, of course.
0: Yeah, you're you've nailed it dead on. I mean, it's the engineering and the testing. And we want the car to perform this way. It's not just that they have a relationship with the tires. perfect example is my car. Mm. The Cayman GTS comes on Goodyear Eagle F1s. And I think, okay, that's yeah. the standard tire for Corvettes. You know, all right. And they're ba- built in Germany. They're made in Germany. It says on the sidewall. Mm-hmm. So they're a German product. Great. But every other Porsche comes on Michelins. Yeah. And they have what some on earth? that come
1: on the Sport Cup 2s. So they clearly have got options. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, no, you've nailed it. And uh, I, I agree. Just let's test them as they are. Steven S. is asking about cars and their use cutoff. He says, assuming budget weren't a limiting factor, what sort of use cutoff, air quotes, do you guys use when recommending the sporty versus the extra hot versions of particular vehicles? And he gives examples of the Civic Si versus the Type R, Mm -hmm. Focus ST versus RS. You get it. WRX versus STI, Mm -hmm. on and on and on. Do we blanket recommend the highest level of performance that you can afford or is it more of a use case and per car? Is it, you know, are you going to use the performance of that car? You know, how would we recommend mm-hmm. one way or the other? It's very much for me. It's how you're going to use the car. So let's take the Focus RS, for example. Yeah, That yeah. rides really stiffly. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. The Honda Civic Type R is not for everybody. Yeah. Just yeah. because it has the numbers and you think, all right, you know it's going to be hot and fast. Do you want to go live with that car in traffic and never track it or canyon road it or yeah, anything like yeah. that? No, you don't. Yeah. I, so that is honestly why there's such deviation between there's usually kind of a a base model, then the the mid hot model, yeah, and yeah, then the yeah. extra hair on fire. Except for Mitsubishi Evo 10, which went from <laughs> stupid Lancer all the way to the most brilliant. Econo please, box please, ever. Please
1: ignore it versus, have
0: you driven this car yet? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I don't recommend getting the, the hottest performance because price is a factor. We're in the real world here, and, and price really is an issue. Yes, I would love for you to go get that Golf R. They're awesome to drive. Yeah. Is a GTI brilliant fun? Yes, it is. Yeah. I I wouldn't say that. So price is very much a limiting factor, and then that's kind of why we like to hear people's stories about how are you going to use it? You know, do you live in Completely. Oklahoma? Do you live in Florida? Yeah. Okay. Or do you live? You know, that that is a big factor. Or mm-hmm. where are you going to use it? Are you tracking it? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, what are you doing with that car? Because we want you to get that money that, that you paid, the extra ten or twenty grand that you paid for the hot model. Yeah. We want you to go get that use Hopefully. out of it. Hopefully. I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to
1: give it give it this answer: two Ps, price and proclivity. Ah. Can you afford the hot model? Because in general, I'm going to say to you, yes. Get the, most, get, get the most powerful get The most asbestos. That'd be great. That, that's because that's the other thing about it. If you buy the lesser model and you tune it, you have the tuning out of class question, but you also have the reality of the fact that that really hot model has had a level of R&D done to it that you as a private individual will never do while trying to take the lesser model and make it better. Mm-hmm. It's just been if you want a hot version of that model of car, the manufacturer has probably done it about as well as it can be done. Mm-hmm. and be still be reliable. So I'm going to say get the and hot one. And come with a warranty. Exactly. I'm going to say get the hot one, except, again, back to your staying, how are you using it? And the Focus RS is a great example because I'm a guy who likes... Look at the cars I drive. I'm a guy who likes cars with rough rides, stiff handling. I'm, I like that. Mm-hmm. But yet, most people I've met, that would be a hard sell. Sure. And uh, look at our friend Matt Farah. He has an RS that he loves, but he... Almost as soon as he got one, thought seriously thought about getting rid of it because he so hated it in Los Angeles. So even think about that. I mean, here's Matt, clearly a car guy, but he just thought this car is terrible for this environment. So you have to think about how you're using it. Uh, I've said it before, and I I stand by it. If I had to commute in L.A. traffic, I would not own a Lotus Elise. I just
0: wouldn't own one. I mean, and I love it. Maybe you would, but you you drive it on weekends. You do maybe, but I mean, even even the amount of stop and go you have to
1: sit in on a Saturday
0: just you know, to get out in the country or on winding roads. Yeah.
1: so you do have to think about how you're using it. I think that is a huge factor. And I, I do think, back, I'm kind of coming back around uh, in a circle on your question, Stephen, but I really think it is almost a case-by-case basis. I would come from the category of get the hot one, but that isn't for everyone. And that's why we try to dig into people's stories.
0: Did you see this question from Jesus about latch system seats on here? I didn't. What's up? It's uh, interesting. He says, for me as a designer and you as a dad, why are child seats so different to difficult to latch with this latch system Hmm. it's crucial for kids safety and it should be easy to work with to avoid any mistakes and he checks his at least once a month just to be sure he says luxury cars even have the plastic housing or this Mm -hmm. you know this cover with a lid that you can close when you're not using but when you need to use them your hand gets full of scars trying to pry it open and get to the system yeah hey sis what you have to keep in mind is even though yes the seats come with the car they're all suppliers they're all tier 1 suppliers usually it's johnson controls but there's a lot of suppliers worldwide that are given the specs for the seat and they're the ones building them now the design team does have you know some control over that but yeah. it's the seat yeah. supplier doing all the research doing all you know everything like that but it's in a lab you're not you know yes they do lean through the car and, and actually do it but you know you think once once you get it latched in there it's going to be there for Probably a while. It's not like you're taking it in twice a day. Yeah, you know, clipping and unclipping the the system. Theoretically, you're doing it once right, and it's done. Yeah, but that doesn't excuse the fact that it does need to be better and more well thought through. But keep in mind, you know, with not necessarily back seats as far as seat heating and that kind of thing. But you know, you're you're fitting manufacturing processes, and well, you know, the materials and all this stuff, and trying to make it not so obtrusive so it's still comfortable for big people to sit on. That's, see, that's the key thing. That's, that's the key thing. A, there's a lot of considerations here.
1: You're, you're putting in an extra, if you will, federally mandated security system. Now, we all know seatbelts. We all hopefully wear seatbelts, front and back seat. Mm-hmm. So that's not a surprise to get in a car and every car has seatbelts. Not a surprise. But there's going to be a ton of people that are going to use that car and never once crack the latch system. Mm-hmm. So the last thing yeah. you want to do is sell them an extra thing that looks ugly, that breaks the seat up, that they're never going to use. That's now a, a downside, non-selling point to that person. Right. But if you want to be a dad and buy that car, you have to have that in there. So now you have to, A, have it in there, have it work. Nobody complains about the fact they can see seatbelts. I could totally see somebody that doesn't have kids or their kids are out of the house or doesn't need them complaining about seeing the latch system so you got to bury it in that seat crack there and I agree with you your hands hurt trying to get it done it's hard but yeah. you've got to balance the non-parent driver with the parent driver and still have it uh, apply to the regs that's hard
0: yep any more questions for you I have one uh, last one I can kind of up. do
1: it in a headline Soup 87 on Instagram that is a heck of an uh, uh, avatar I like it is the Kia Stinger going to sell in high volume
0: oh yeah
1: We were talking about this on our piece we just did, and and I'm not going to completely talk about all of it. But here's a big question I do have. I love that this car exists, but Cadillac has fantastic chassis right now. They're making, with the ATS and CTS, great rear-wheel drive sedans. Yeah. Simply great. Yeah. And they're having trouble selling any of them. GM meanwhile has stopped selling the SS. Now, I could certainly give an argument that if the SS had looked cooler, you would have sold more of them. If they hadn't looked like a Malibu. Less Malibu like Totally. Yeah. But I actually think that the hot sedan is a more problematic enthusiast area of cars than even the small car like the FRS. Both of these categories. I want a lightweight, inexpensive rear wheel drive car. That's what every enthusiast says they want, and then we drop the FRS, and by and large, very few of them were bought. It's not a volume seller. The other thing enthusiasts cry out, and I am guilty. I want a full-size family sedan that's fun to drive, rear-wheel drive. Chevy drops the SS, and it goes mostly ignored. I think this is a hard place for Kia to be. I'm glad they're throwing down and putting a car there. But I'm very curious. And and at the moment, I'm genuinely just watching. I'm very curious to see how it sells because I think it's a very hard market to be in. I think all of us enthusiasts are like, yay, Kia. But how many of us are going to buy them? I think, unfortunately, very few.
0: Hmm. I hope that's not the case. But, yeah, we're definitely watching. Trying to get through two quick questions before we wrap things up. Ed the Sled is asking about the cars in South America. Any unique cars down there that we don't get? Well, unless you count Volkswagen Polos or maybe the Polo you know r maybe the polo and, uh, r <laughs> if, uh, if if you consider the brazilian puma something unique that we don't get from way back in the 80s wow that you is know, a reference. yeah i i don't think we're missing much i mean mainly it's a, a lot of small cars but the us market has so many It's Europe that concerns me that we don't get the 605 horsepower Audi Audi RS6. I mean, come on. That will not keep me up at night, but I do hear your point. Jordan S. also asks, if you're somebody who washes your car by hand, Mm -hmm. how do you wash the undercarriage to get rid of salt? One answer, my Uh friend, gasoline-powered power washer with hot water. (laughs) But the best way to do it, (laughs) something that most of us will never have. But of course you do. It's got to be gasoline powered because those are the the powerful ones. You can, you can, you could strip paint off if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, you can. But the the secret is finding a place if it's not your driveway. And it's admittedly hard to do this with a power washer, but sometimes there's, (laughs) you know, parking lots with, uh, at the back of the parking lot, it sort of drops away into like a drainage ditch or a gully and you can kind of get up under there. But then, of course, you don't have your power washer to be You're able to get You're talking about road trips to get your car washed. This is insane. It's it's worth it. But there are some spray wash car washes that have the, the undercarriage sprayers as soon as you some drive across the threshold. Yeah, some of them do. Yeah. And you just drive really slowly until you get it all sprayed <laughs> off. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gas-powered power washer, my friend. Jack up the car and blast away. The things we've recommended people buy in this podcast, it's all Miatas and gas-powered power washers. It's very bizarre. Totally. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Again, write to us with uh, your own debates, your own cool, fun stories, and uh, looking forward to talking to you next time. Cheers, everyone. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll.
2: I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty
1: demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a
2: pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks, Prosecutor Dan Cochran. We think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.